Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co, Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, The Sociable Beer Company and The Small Batch Brewing Co. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Triple Hop Session Series. My name's Charlie. You can find me on Instagram at charlieelling1 and at craftcangang. And uh, at this point, I would normally hand over to Ryan to introduce himself, but Ryan unfortunately couldn't make this one. Um, however, in his seat, we have Rob, who's been gracious enough to join us. So Rob, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Uh, so I'm Rob Cheshire. Um, I am part of This Week in Craft Beer. Um, which I run with my cousin Steve and have done for the last couple of years. So I, I've been listening to This Week in Craft Beer for a little while now, the, the podcast. And Rob, you and I met up in Reading fairly recently for the Indeed first we time. we did, for a big afternoon. <laughs> a rather <laughs> large afternoon. ran into quite a late evening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did, and quite a rambling car journey home, with uh, <laughs> thanks to my, my girlfriend who was gracious enough to come and pick us it's, up. Yeah, gracious enough to put up with our, our absolute nonsense on the way back, I'm, I'm sure. Sh- I don't suppose sure it made much it. sense, no. No, but I bet it was nonsense aplenty. <laughs> but when I met you, I thought we have to get you on the podcast, and I thought it would be really good to revive our craft beer journey format because in in talking to you on that saturday it seems like you've got a really kind of interesting varied and eclectic background in the world of beer um outside of what you do professionally so i just wanted to start by asking you how did your kind of craft beer journey start sure take us back to the beginning yeah very happy to so um i've worked in the software industry in sales for uh, many years, almost my entire working career, in Mm -hmm. fact. And um, for most of the last 20 years or so, I've had international sales territories, not so much just lately, but, um, you know, prior to sort of 2017, 2018, anyway, I'd had international sales territories, um, mostly um, in Western Europe. Um, So I was typically working for sort of small UK software company, or rather small US software companies, where I was based in the UK, but managing an international sales territory. Mm-hmm. And latterly, that had mostly been um, Scandinavia. Right. So I was traveling um, very frequently, you know, almost weekly, in fact, to and from Copenhagen and Stockholm, and less frequently to some of the more sort of, well, so to, to Oslo and, and Helsinki, the other two capitals, but also mm-hmm. to the sort of provincial cities, places like Gothenburg and uh, uh, and elsewhere in Sweden, um, and and you know some of the other smaller smaller places in Denmark, and so I was exposed to craft beer really um, from a Scandinavian perspective first. So I, for many years, drank uh, cask beer in in the UK. Mm-hmm. I we you know was a was a camera member for many years, um, and you know was a, a regular at the Great British Beer Festival and the Reading Beer Festival, which is local to me, and you know and various other camera beer festivals. So mm-hmm. I've always been a massive sort of beer festival fan. Um, but uh, I, you know, with my my traveling to Scandinavia, started to experience um, some of the wonders of uh, particularly uh, Mikella 
mm-hmm. but also uh, Omnipolo and, and Duges and, and one or two other uh, Swedish um, craft breweries. And always at source in their tap rooms uh, and local bars, um, but always drinking on expenses, which which helps when you're in uh, in Scandinavia because <laughs> yeah. you're not shy about the price of the beers. Um, but I was able to sort of you know reasonably get away with um, you know uh, for, for my own um, sort of you know meal and and drinks or or you know certainly entertaining customers. I would always try and sort of steer them to towards a, a tap room rather than you know meeting anywhere else. And so oh. yeah, I got uh, got quite. Um, quite a good grounding in 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 the wonders of um of, of you know modern american beer styles i guess if you want to call it that from from a, um, a scandinavian perspective so um, just remind me what sort of year are we talking did you say 2017 yeah no so before so it would have been 20 okay. 2016 i think right. um so i um 2016 i started drinking you know i guess new england ipas in scandinavia came mm-hmm. back and then started to buy cloud waters that year sure um and you know, obviously, sort of went from there, and and you know, suddenly got into a, you know a whole world of, um, of of UK craft beers as well. Quite quickly after that, yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. So you, at, at the time, you're going to Scandinavia, uh, you're going to you know Copenhagen and mm-hmm. sampling the delights of uh, Mikella and the like. Yep. But when you're back here searching for stuff, you mentioned Cloudwater. What sort of thing are you finding back here at that point in time? So um, I. I, I have a rule on my podcast that I don't mention um, uh, either Magic Rock or Beaver Town. Um, and Understood. whenever whenever any of the guests mention either of those two breweries, I always have a, uh, it amuses me to edit out the comments that they make. And you have to sort of you know do some slight subtle editing to make the the sentences that they're saying still scan when you've taken out the words Magic Rock and Beaver Town. Yeah. So. Um, you know, but I have to concede that those were obviously were two of the brands that, that you know, you, you couldn't avoid at that stage. And, and you know, I in the case of Magic Rock in particular, I was, you know, I, I was quite fond of Magic Rock and I went to the tap room in Huddersfield mm-hmm. several times. Um, so I was very, very sad when when they sold. But um, so those those were certainly two. Um, I have um, a good friend of mine um, is from Newcastle. Um, so I um, yep. have been to Newcastle with him a few times. And, uh, and so I came across Wyland fairly early mm-hmm. in my uh, UK craft beer journey as well. Um, probably when they were more, uh, you know, so they were still sort of midway through their, you know, the Dave Stone engineered trans uh, transition yep. from from traditional to um, you know to, to where they are today. But they were still, you know, Jake Head was was certainly around uh, in those days. And so I, you know, I, I came across some really cool beers at, at Wylam as well at that time. Yeah, I suppose back then the craft beer scene in the uk as we know it now would have been very embryonic i think you know verdant first started brewing in their little garage in 2015 2016 and i remember when i started to see it pop up in the bottle shops in originally i think 330 bottles and then 330 cans and eventually that they evolved into what they are now but so take us you know a year or two on forward what were the kind of accelerators for you in becoming, you know, I, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but I think <laughs> yeah, you're kind of on, a, on, a, on a similar fanatical level to me. So yep. what were the things that started to increase your level of interest in it? I, I just think the, the amazing flavours. I mean, you know, it's, it's no anybody listening to this doesn't need to be persuaded that, that you know, craft beer is, is a completely different product from from, you know, ordinary beer if you want to use that phrase yeah. you know and that that sort of covers a multitude of sins but you know the, the depth of flavor i think once you you dig in and start to appreciate the flavors uh, you know particularly in a, in a new england ipa that you know the, not just the sweetness but the bitterness and the savory notes and everything else that comes with it um you i, I think you quite quickly 
gone down that rabbit hole and it's hard to come back to to, to be satisfied with with drinking a, a normal beer isn't it it is yeah and, and one thing that i you know i found for myself so i first i suppose started becoming aware of craft beer through things like sierra nevada you know i think right. i had that for the first time in 20 might have been late 2013 early 2014 <laughs> but for me, it took, you know, the people around me getting into it and mm. persuading me to try it. And there's a guy called Nick, who I don't know if I've given a shout out on this podcast before, but he gave me my first ever bottle of Oakham Citra, which okay. is kind of trad, kind of craft. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's the first time I'd ever really been aware of hops right. being specific varietals and being brought to the forefront. And he gave me my first, I think, like a, a Camden Pale Ale as well back in right. uh, 2014. So were there any people for you that you know help to introduce different things to you encourage you to try different bits from a craft perspective um i don't honestly think there was so um i should say that you know towards the end of my kind of you know camera journey if we can call it that that part of my sort of drinking career Mm -hmm. um i you know i'd been going to to the great british beer festival the reading beer festival we used to go to uh you know probably four or five um, festivals apart from that in the year so probably about mm-hmm. half a dozen a year no one here as many as I go to these days by the way but uh, it used to you know used to be a decent number and and I would always go with my uh, good friend Stuart who you know would uh, uh, slightly older than me I've known him for years he's hired me into a couple of different roles in the software mm-hmm. industry and he's been my mentor forever basically yep. and he and I were, were you know would always be the you know the two guys that were trying to get a crowd together to go to the the camera festivals and I was mostly you know it's mostly ended up with just me and him um, but we started to appreciate hops, um, but you know, from a from a cask perspective. So, so the last few years that I went to the Great British Beer Fest, so I can distinctly remember saying to Stuart on the way down, "I don't really want to drink anything that hasn't got citra in it." You know, so I, I would go around, you know, yeah. go around the stands at, at, uh, at Olympia as it was in in the latter, you know, Earl's Court earlier years, and uh, and I would be looking specifically for the cask beers that had citra in. And so I don't, yeah. I don't know what quite turned me on to that, but I figured that you know, yeah, citra was something pretty special, even you know, at the relatively low hopping levels um, that they, you know, you can expect to find in a in a cask beer from a traditional manufacturer. It still has something special to to bring to the beer. I think. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. One thing that I tend to ask on the on these type of episodes is about things like gateway beers. Yeah. So I don't know if you can remember what your gateway beers were. I mean, they're they're going to be Scandinavian, I assume. Yep. And we're reaching back a few years in the memory bank, but that's really hard. You know, yeah. if if not that, what what are some of the more memorable beers from that early phase? Yeah. So so I, I did more drinking at Warpigs than any other bar because it's a great place to hang out. They do apparently the food's pretty good too. Good barbecue food. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the summer, they've a huge beer terrace out the front with you know more you know probably seating for a couple of hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and on a on a sunny evening in Copenhagen, there's nowhere you'd rather be. And you get longer, you know, because it's a bit further north, you get get later nights. You mm-hmm. know, sunshine there as well. So uh, yeah, just a brilliant place. Um, so I can distinctly remember um, some of the you know the, the Warpigs sort of core. IPAs, if you can call them that. One is called Frank the Tank, that I think is, yeah. you know, is, is you probably had. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I really remember that one. Um, they, um, a, another beer that I can distinctly remember really impressing me was from Madugas, who are based in Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. Um, so their tap room um, isn't called, it's not called the Dugas tap. I don't remember what it's called, but they do have a tap room that they own. 
um, really nice little place, quite small. Um, and they used to have a, they basically had a series that was just called Fresh, Fresh Five, Fresh Six, Fresh Seven. Hmm. Um, and those were absolutely fantastic. I don't know if they still do them, but it's just like going back five, six years now. But those were amazing beers that that had, you know, more flavours than you can possibly imagine. You know, they were always seven, eight percent, you know, so they were pretty big beers, but uh, wonderful flavours. I mean, you know, big beers was, at the time, especially. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so the Doogie's Fresh series, I can remember always being really special. And, you know, I would, I would look out for that and, you know, hope that the next time I went there, the next one would be available. Um, yeah. So, uh, but back in this country, whether it's from that era or in the, the couple of years that followed on from that, what are some of your most memorable UK beers from around that time? That's that's a tricky one, really. I mean, it's... Um... If I think back to that, that sort of period, you know, you, we have the the names that we shouldn't mention, <laughs> the Brew Dogs and the oh, uh, no. <laughs> the Magic Rocks and the Beaver Towns, but you know, Cloudwater were coming out with some really interesting stuff around yep. then. And I remember going to the, it was the Beaver Town Extravaganza, which right. I believe was in 2017, the one I went to. Yeah, and there was just like a, it was the first time I'd ever seen DDH written on a beer and understood what it okay. meant. <laughs> And it was a cloud water. I think it was a DDH Nelson Sovan. And, you know, we all queued up and got that immediately as soon as we got yep. into the festival. And, you know, those, those ones for me were really formative. Yeah. And I think back then cloud water were doing, you know, Hopfen vices and stuff like right. that, you know, heavily mm-hmm. hop wheat beers. And uh, th- those I found really interesting. No, definitely. I think, you know, I'd, so, so I did have the, um, I think it was the V3 um, cloud water dipper. Yeah. Um, which was so so you know that was obviously in a bottle at the the, mm-hmm. the, the time that I had that so I, I don't know if that would have been 2016 I think I'm not sure but that was certainly one of the one of the early cloud water beers that 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 you know completely blew me away um, and then I think pretty shortly after that they started to you know they they moved to 440 cans and uh, I, I I would struggle to to actually remember any specific beers from that era from from cloud water I'd have yeah. to have to dig into Untapped to. To, to dig those out but um yeah i think certainly as i say i mentioned wyland jakehead already that i think was quite um you know that 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 impressed me at the time and um you know i think that's been a it's still a great beer uh, today actually it's you know it's it seems to seems to have aged very well i'm sure they've updated the recipe i guess over time as as, as most of these breweries do don't they yeah th- th- there's a there's a great amount of nostalgia to that beer but i mm. do think it just holds its own yeah Ob- objectively mm-hmm. i think it's a really good beer honestly mm. So events I'm picking up have been quite a big part of your craft beer journey. I absolutely adore beer festivals here. I can't, you know, even honestly, if you know, if you says we come, let's, you know, we're going to a camera beer festival. I, I would be quite. I still have a really good time. There. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same as being at <laughs> a craft beer festival, but it would still be great, and I still enjoy the atmosphere at a beer festival and just the, you know, the variety and the and the selection is just, mm. just great. Yeah. So what have been some of your most memorable events over the years then? Well, I um, I went to the, um, the the first proper craft beer festival I went to um, in London was um, was the London Craft Beer Festival, um, yep. which was the one at um, I want to say um, Hop, Hop, uh, the, in the Electric Factory at um, um, is that uh, Bethnal Green? Not no, no, um, it's not the Tobacco Dock. No, no. So it's been okay. tobacco about the last three or four. The the, the, mm-hmm. the last one before they moved to Tobacco Dot, which I think would have been 2017. Okay. Um, 
that was brilliant because that was the first that was the first um all in ticket beer festival I'd ever been to as well. And that, sure. that was a, a massive novelty at the time. Yeah, <laughs> so, instead of going off like going to have to get tokens every five minutes. Exactly. How much can I, you know, how many of these beers can I drink? And I yeah. have to check check everyone into untapped to otherwise, you know, if you didn't yeah. check it in, you didn't, you know, it doesn't count sort of thing. So in, in my bizarre world, I went on my own actually to, to just to kind of illustrate the point that I didn't really have anybody, I don't think, that was that was leading me down the craft beer path. Yeah so much i actually went you know because i couldn't get anybody else to come with well, me well, i mean what that tells me is that you're that person i well, wonder, how, maybe, ma- wonder yeah. how many people you've got hooked on it well a few i suspect yeah yeah my cousin keeps cursing me because you know he, he keeps uh he keeps sort of saying right i'm up to five thousand unique check-ins on untapped now you know an average of five pound a beer you know that's 25 grand you cost me since you, yeah since i was gonna say there's, there's a lot of financial burden and liver damage on your head Definitely. Um, but to go, come back to your question about events, and, and again, mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm breaking all my rules about um, referring to the unmentionable breweries. Sorry, but, that, uh, that this podcast is fine. It's, it's I know, yeah, country. Right. Ryan that's, mentions that's... Guinness every 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, Brewdog, AGM. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been to the last three, actually. They've not, it hasn't run since, um, since 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, each of them absolutely awesome parties. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think they'll ever run it again. To be honest with you, I don't think they're probably in a place where they could pull it off. But uh, those were great because they also, you know, it was as much of a music festival as it is a beer festival. Really, um, yeah. you know, they 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 book decent bands. Um, you know, playing back to back from about seven o'clock through to eleven. Um, great selection of breweries. Brewdog, for all their faults, have always had great US relationships. And so they yeah. bring in really interesting um, breweries from the US, um, mm. you know, not, not, not necessarily ones you've even heard of, but you guarantee whoever they bring over is going to be awesome. And, you know, and, and it's a lot of fun. We, I first came across the answer at the Brewdog AGM, and they're, okay. they're fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the brew pub. Over yeah. in is it Richmond? Uh, yeah, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a, definitely it's a, on my high, you know, priority yeah. list of places I need to visit. But yeah, Brutal Guy GMs, great party, great, uh, great beer, great music. You, you've touched on something there that I want to dig into a little, which is US craft beer. Because, yep. you know, when I met you the other week, we met at a showcase for Finback and Equilibrium and we did. a few select others, <laughs> Sloop and the like. You were wearing another half t shirt. We then proceeded to crack some US stout. So when was it that you started to be aware of the quality of US beer? And then at which point did you start feverishly seeking it out like uh-huh. we all do? Well, I think I think fairly shortly after I got into sort of Cloudwater and uh, and the Scandinavian okay. breweries, I you know, I realized that what I was drinking was American style beer, basically, mm-hmm. you know, by you know, sort of I guess reading blogs and what have you. Um I uh, changed my job at the end of 2017. So, so I left the job that was taking me to Scandinavia uh, mm-hmm. and joined another software company where um, I was able to sell into the, the East coast of the U S. Okay. Um, so that was worked out really well. The job didn't work out very, very well for me because <laughs> I suspect I might've been more focused on the tap room visits than I was on the meetings, but happens, happens was, to the best of us. I was going to the U S about once a month um, for sort of the first nine months of 2018. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I was, I was arranging meetings more around where I wanted to be of an evening to be, you know, to which tap rooms I wanted to visit. And I was yeah. sort of arranging, you know, meetings on like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and flying out on the Friday. So I could have the weekend, you know, to do my tap room mm-hmm. tours and whatever, and then do a few meetings yeah. and come back. So I was abusing the privilege really, but that allowed me to go a couple of times to uh, Brooklyn. So I did, you know, obviously other half, but, uh, Finback and Evil yeah. Twin as well. Um, I did several trips to um, to New Jersey 
actually, which wouldn't okay. obviously be a place that sort of shouts out, yeah, great craft beer. Because I had, I had a customer in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was um, sort of traveling up and down the, the, the Jersey coast and uh, came across some amazing places. There's a brewery called Kane that's probably the best known yeah. in that area. Absolutely awesome. Um, but I found several really small places up and down the Jersey coast um, that, that, that were terrific as well. One that really uh, sticks in my mind is called Bradley Beer Project. Bradley Beer Project or Bradley Brew Project? It might be Bradley Brew Project, which is at Bradley mm. Beach, which is a small little place just up from Atlantic City. Wonderful place. I, I was lucky enough to get in there on the opening night, actually. It was really cool. So yeah. it, was a, it was a great vibe and uh, had a fabulous time there. Another one called Beach House Brewery. Uh, brewing which is the house is spelt like german way h-a-u-s and yeah. that's terrific as well i've been there a couple of times um so really cool and um, the philadelphia um, scene is is excellent anyway t- uh, tied hands of course in philadelphia another another brewery that's uh, not not quite so no, um, in, in, in a spot of hot water yes yes nicely put um uh, but there's some other really cool places in in, in philly as well so um that's really nice um then i, I did a did a, a long weekend in baltimore did did some great place in baltimore um, did a couple of trips to um, Dallas uh, and Fort Worth. Um, so, yeah. so there's there's some cool places, you know, between Dallas and Fort Worth, sort of twin cities that more or less merge into yeah. each other. So uh, quite a big sort of, you know, population mass, those two cities combined. So some good craft beer. Did a trip to Atlanta. That was cool. Um, so some, some good place in Atlanta. So uh, even went to Palm Beach, actually, um, Florida. Right. Um, so that, that was that was nice down there. So I was really lucky. Um, it, it, it basically tipped me way, way over the top in terms of U.S. craft beer and understanding how wonderful U.S. tap rooms are, how welcoming everybody, you know, of course, everybody, you know, everywhere you go in the U.S., yeah. we're made you know, to feel extremely welcome. The standard of service and hospitality is just incredible, isn't it? And, and it's, it, it's the same in craft beer as it is in a restaurant or anywhere else. So when you then returned here, were you trying to seek it out over here and find ways to acquire it? Or were you just uh, trying to concentrate on what was available here? And- you know, what? That's, I haven't really ever done that to the same extent. So, so obviously, um, you know, I, uh, at that time, I should, should certainly give a shout out to, to Neil and Simon and uh, and Matt because I you know I, I discovered Triple Hop I think more or less as they started and so um, you know that that was I guess another level of a, of obsession and appreciation mm-hmm. for the industry than I had I think you know that those guys definitely really influenced me um, and I know that that Neil in particular did and I think still does bring in a lot of um, a lot of US beer through trades and and other other means so you know I to be honest I've never done that um, you know I have. Um, every time I've been to the States, I always, you know, bring back, you know, more cans than I'm probably ever going to, going to actually get to drink and, you know, and yeah. my sort of suitcases, you always overweight. And several times at the airport, I've actually had to open my case and decide sort of which six or eight cans I actually not going to bring back because of, you know, they're not going to let me check my bag in otherwise, which is a, a horrible, have to, a horrible experience to have oh. to go through, you know, so. yeah. <laughs> bit of a Sophie's choice, that one. Yeah. But no, so I never have, um, I never have imported US beer other than to buy, occasionally from the likes of Cloudwater and you know, maybe yeah, track sure. and whatever when, when they when they bought um beer over that, that's, that's on their own web shop yeah so yeah i mean we've we've all been um i think we've all been guilty of, of seeking it out feverishly and I, I certainly have gone to fairly extreme lengths to acquire trade for and import it in the past i, right. I was quite a late adopter on the u.s beer train though i think my first ever can of other half would have been September 2019. So okay. I was mm-hmm. well and truly entrenched in the UK stuff way before I ever knew of the stuff over the pond. Right. 
but I mean, it's everywhere now. The, the, I wonder what, what are your thoughts on the availability of it nowadays? Is it lost a bit of its allure now? That well, I think no it case? must. It must have done, mustn't it? I think. Um, I mean, I you know, I all things being equal, I'm happy that it's available. Um, I think just to sort of come back to your previous question, I think one of the reasons why I didn't seek it out, perhaps you know, as as you know as earnestly as I might have done is I think that, you know, the, the quality of, of UK craft beer is so high now uh, that, you know, if you're, if you're going to be drinking US beer, that's been a few weeks at ambient temperature whilst it's being shipped over and whatever, yeah. you know, I suspect that perhaps isn't going to be as good as, as, you know, the latest uh, beer from, you know, pick your, pick your brew. Let's call it, let's say overtone for sake of argument, you know, that, that, that's been, stored at, at, at three degrees since it was packaged and you know and, and it's delivered to you at that yeah, temperature and, and, was, yeah, and was packaged two days ago <laughs> yeah so you know really it's hard you know it's not really even a fair fight is it to expect you know as i say a can of whatever you want to say trillium treehouse other half to 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 compete with that when you know as i say if they have been kept at room temperature for a couple of weeks while while it's been battling through customs and, and postage and whatever um, yeah i mean if, when we were at phantom the other week i remember seeing there was a a monkish in the fridge in the main bar and none of us gave it a second look no not one of us and imagine that scenario 18 months ago yeah no it's a good point actually yeah yeah people would have been queuing to basingstoke for that <laughs> i've been to monkish actually in la as well I, I, that was uh that wasn't on a business trip that was a holiday actually but uh, i went to monkish there and that was a that was a bit of a pilgrimage i was really looking forward to that one well have i was driving any... unfortunately oh, have you done any festivals stateside I haven't actually. No, no, I haven't. But I, I, I certainly intend to. I tell you, the one that I've really got my eye on um, is called Fobab. It's it, which stands for the Festival of Barrel Aged Beers, which yeah. runs in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in November. Uh, one of my best sort of long distance friends, a guy called Mark, who um, actually runs a podcast. Funnily enough, not, on, okay. not about beer, but about yeah. travel. Strangely, yeah. But he he's based in Chicago. And I've I visited him there and he, he was over in London a couple of months ago and we had a few nice nights out. And so, um, yeah, one of these days I'm going to get to Fobab with Mark in Chicago because, you know, it's not just um, barrel-aged stouts. It's it's a variety of interesting barrel-aged beers, you know, from a lot of mixed firm stuff. And so it's uh, mm. they're all pretty big, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be quite an endurance test. But, um, yeah, that's, that's one that I really dream of attending. Yeah, I've, I have seen that one uh, on various social media platforms and always thought ah, that would be a really great experience. Yeah. Probably a very costly one in terms of money and health. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, the ticket's 70 or 80 bucks. So I don't think it's probably any worse than the other, but you're right. It's not going to do your liver much good. No. <laughs> great, no, good no. beer scene in Chicago as well. You know, it's, you wouldn't be just going for that. It's, you know, there's a lot of, lot of really good tap rooms in Chicago. Yeah, okay. I mean... So I've only been to Texas in the States and I went for the first time this year and I don't know how much of a good representation of the States Texas is, but just everywhere had good beer there. Yeah. You know, little bodegas and family restaurants and places just selling breakfast. They all had craft beer taps and whatever was local. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a great point. I think I'm not quite sure, you know, obviously there's a lot, that's wrong with the way that US beer distribution works in terms of, you know, limiting how breweries can ship uh, across state lines in particular. Yeah. But in terms of local, um, I don't think there's anything like the same restrictions. Um, in, in, uh, and I think, I guess in the UK, the restrictions are more from the perspective of the macros having the, the venues yeah, tied down and, yeah, to, uh, to, to exclusive oh, contracts. Yeah. 
owning the bar. I don't think it happens in quite the same way in the US. I, uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's a degree of that goes on because you know you probably sort of see draft Budweiser or or you know, Miller or whatever in, in most places. But um, I do think that the venues have got a degree of autonomy to actually usually have some both some draft and certainly some decent canned local beer. Yeah, um, you know, and you're right in terms of the bodegas. That's the most amazing thing, isn't it? You know, you go in the crappiest little sort of uninspiring, you know, corner sort of convenience store, and you'll find, you know, there won't be just one fridge. There'll be five, six, eight fridges. You know, probably hold, you know, down the whole whole one side of the, you know, the wall of the store will be mm. beer fridges, um, and it's just amazing the the the, the range of the, and the quality of the beer you can get from just, you know, even from a like a you know petrol station forecourt. You know, you go in go in there and there'll be a, you know there'll be a couple of fridges of amazing craft beers as well. Just awesome. Yeah, that's one of the areas that I think as good as the quality of the beer in the UK is now, and I'm completely on board with what you said. I mm-hmm. I think that we're kind of setting our own standards these days. The distribution and the adoption of it in wider culture, I think we're definitely still behind the States. But Absolutely. I, I suppose it's coming on. You know, you're, you're seeing hazy beer become more of a zeitgeist. And, you know, there, there, there are plenty of people that are more willing to try and accept it. I just would like to see it come on a little bit more. Totally agree. I think you know we. You, you look at the, the, the you know I think somewhere in, in the US it's somewhere between fifteen and eighteen percent of beer is craft beer. You know, but I think that at least in the US they have a sort of a bit of a different definition of craft beer from what we have in the UK. So you know, there's some pretty large breweries in the US now that are still classed as craft because they're yeah. able to, you know, they've done a deal with the Brewers Association to keep increasing the the threshold. You know, yeah. where uh, you know where you can still be regarded as as independent and craft but i think in the uk it's it's somewhere around 10 percent or just under so it's not you know it's not like we're miles behind but it's i think that extra you know if you could get that extra three or four or five percent penetration into into beer into mainstream beer then then i think you'd probably start to see decent beers cropping up you know much more widely um but it's yeah it's frustrating there's still you know the majority of pubs and you know and the majority of restaurants and even the majority of supermarkets have got nothing have they you know no and but the thing is that the culture over here at the minute as soon as something goes into supermarkets i think it's kind of disregarded yeah yeah where really we should be if they if the supermarkets can store it right because there's mm. the elephant in the room about you know storing things on warm shelves and suboptimal conditions but if a brewery is successful to the extent that a supermarket wants to make it more available i'm, I'm wondering if we should really be celebrating that i think we, that yeah. seems like a huge achievement for breweries but it's that kind of I, you know, I like them before they were famous type <laughs> attitude it's, it's, it? there's a, definitely an element of that going on yeah um you know i think obviously the the price point is is the is the pain of it, isn't it? And you know, and so whether mm. whether breweries think that they're actually getting a fair price for, for for their beers in the supermarket, you know, and 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 it sort of almost obliges you to significantly increase your production capacity to be able to produce enough beer so that you can accept the you know, whatever the one the pound or the pound fifty a can that Sainsbury's or Tesco's are going to be prepared to give you, you know, instead of the four or five quid that you would get from selling yeah. your beer through your bottle shop um, or, or, you know. I wonder what the ceiling is price point wise that they could put it on a shelf at because you've got Morrison's with bottles of Omnipolo Noah for yep. eight pounds yeah and again two years ago that would have been unthinkable and yep. now it's, it's in every Morrison's I've been to recently 
No, that's a great point. I think, you know, and, and so that's hopefully, you know, we, we're, we're on that journey, aren't we? And, and they'll start to bring in, you know, start to push the price point up and, you know, and, and, and then everybody's happy. Hopefully it means that the breweries haven't got to dumb the recipe down to, to produce it at a, you know, a pound a can so that they can, you know, still, still make money, you know, so you can still have decent levels of, of dry hopping. Um, yeah, uh, and we can still get the you know get get the really high quality beers that that you know, we're looking for. I mean, the, the variable for me is always going to be the storage, mm-hmm. but you know they have every supermarket has fridges. And, you know, they if do. you're going to commit to stocking a high quality product like that, you should you should commit to selling it in an optimal condition. I think. Yeah, but I think that's probably a much uh, much bigger issue than we'll be able to tackle here together. It, on it's this a tricky one. Well. I know. Um, uh, you know, uh, without dropping names, when I when I had um, Paul from Cloudwater on on my yeah. podcast, you know, I, I sort of pressed him on that point with the Tesco's relationship, right. and he said, you know, he did say, yeah, that was one of the things that he, he tried to hold out for, but you know, they just he couldn't make it happen. Basically, you know, right. it was it was that they they weren't willing to, you know, I, I guess it is a significant cost, and it's just you know, it changes you know the layout, the store. Who knows whether they've even got the power supply, you know, in the in the beer aisle to, to, to power the fridges. Who knows what, what the, what the obstacles are. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's coming anytime soon in the large supermarkets, obviously, you know, which is why you're probably better off buying your, your craft beer from the, from the sort of the, you know, the Metro stores. Um, you know, I've got literally got a Tesco's about half a mile from my house that, that has a pretty, a pretty decent selection yeah. of, um, of beers considering it's just, you know, it's a converted pub. Yes. It, it was a crappy pub that nobody missed when it closed. And now it's a Tesco's it's super handy and, and their beer selection is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and it's a great little supermarket. But, I suppose um, well, we should kind of wrap this point up by saying, please buy independent, buy local, yeah. you know, support your local bottle shops and all of that. But you know, it, it does have to be part of the wider conversation because that's how, the industry grows yeah and you there's only a finite amount of beer that the people currently in the community can purchase if you want to make room for that growth and head headroom for these breweries that we want to succeed then we need to expand the market definitely yeah absolutely right and and you know the best way possible of that expansion is probably to have you know the People going around the supermarket see an interesting sort of brightly coloured can on the shelf, and hopefully, you know, perhaps a bit of brand recognition. It's oh, look, that's an interesting thing. They're looking for Citra. Yeah. (laughs) Please keep listening for more after a short message from our sponsors. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com so you you touched on your podcast there and if we bring things a little more up to date with where we are now you've you've got the you've got your instagram you've got the newsletter you've got the podcast you've got the the tours so what was the what was the genesis of those what came first Uh, so the newsletter came first um and this was at the right at the start of covid um i you know was sort of thinking about trying to get the newsletter off the ground i pitched the idea to my cousin steve and you know i said look i think we need to do this i'd already you know, about a year prior I'd, I'd taken him down the craft beer rabbit hole so he was already fully on board with with how wonderful the, the product was mm-hmm. um and, and what i said to him was you know i think what 
we set out to do with the newsletter was try and put together something that I'd like to have had available two or three years prior when I was finding my way in yeah. craft beer. Um, so what we try and do with the newsletter is, is lay out what are the significant beer releases from the previous week. So we track um, what we consider to be the 130, 140 most significant craft breweries in the UK. We track their Instagram feeds and their websites. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by, you know, sometimes they send us information direct, but we're looking to try and figure out what beers were released last week that the community would be interested in. And, you know, and then we'll, we'll publish tasting notes and ABV and style mm-hmm. and whatever. So you can see at a glance uh, at nine o'clock on the Monday morning, you know, by 10 past nine, you know exactly what beers were released last week. You know what you need to be looking to try and seek out, you know, if you if you see something that you mm-hmm. think, oh, my, I really must have that. So that's the newsletter. You know, then we also have things like the festival calendar and, you know, and the calendar of web shops and tap rooms and, and podcasts yeah. or whatever. So most of the rest of the newsletter is um kind of directories that we uh, we increment each week but we don't have to prepare from scratch the main effort yeah. in the newsletter is building out the beer release now, list each week i think that's really interesting because i think you know certainly in the majority of the craft beer community that i interact with we're all big instagram users and i imagine mm-hmm. that's how we find out most of what we find out about yeah. what's being released definitely because you know we're not we're not checking websites on a daily basis you you go to your local social media app and look at it but there's only so much you can absorb and you know we, we've seen the issues with instagram algorithms and shadow bands and all of that Definitely. sort of stuff really impacting brewery so having that all in a central place to give you a consolidated view i mean i'm a subscriber i think it's really useful yeah. I, I encourage anyone listening to this to subscribe as well and yeah Robert, i mean obviously it goes out saying that it's free um charlie so yeah it, it goes out at nine o'clock then, then what have i been paying for well <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about that offline yeah yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it goes out you know between half past eight and nine o'clock on a monday morning by e- it's email only uh, it's a pdf drops in your you know a link to a pdf actually so if you, you know you want to download it you click on the link mm-hmm. um but it's there in your inbox um you know if you if you sign up and decide you don't like it you know you can very easily unsubscribe and you'll never hear from us again but it's um yeah it's it's, it's growing quite nice about eight thousand subscribers now in the uk so a decent decent database you know i suspect it's i suspect it's the biggest craft beer newsletter in the uk you know for what that's worth because i don't suppose there's even another one you know i'm not aware of another weekly craft beer newsletter but uh yeah, Sixteen thousand eyeballs, assuming that we all have two. Well, it's growing nice, yeah. Maybe slightly less than that. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Um, and, you know, just while we're on this, do you want to just tell people how they can subscribe to it? Yeah. So it, our website is uh, www.thisweekincraft.beer. Um, so it's a funky, uh, a funky URL. It's thisweekincraft.beer, um, and on the homepage, you can there's a box right in the middle. Drop your email address in there, click the button, and you are subscribed. Um, all the back issues are available from the website and links mm-hmm. to the podcasts and uh, and you know and other bits and pieces. A load of taproom reviews actually. We do a taproom review most weeks, and so there's quite a nice archive of taproom reviews on there as well now. That's that's sort of building out. To... Yeah, I've I've read quite a few of those. You seem to be quite a prolific taproom visitor. Yeah, something like <laughs> I do. I don't. They're not all mine. We we have had a few guest um, taproom reviewers actually that we really appreciate. So if anybody wants to send us a taproom review from their local place we'd be very happy to publish that um and uh, yeah as long as uh, as long as it's uh, an accurate uh, description of what's going on uh and so beyond that um i then started to think that i perhaps could do a podcast and i absolutely i've got two podcasts i need to credit for you know getting me off the ground with podcasting and that is um your colleagues uh, neil and simon and matt who mm-hmm. As I've mentioned already, were you know as far as I'm concerned, the best you know the original and still the best UK craft beer podcast. 
Um, and those guys, you know, did a lot to educate me and sort of bring me along, uh, I think, on my craft beer journey. Um, and then out of the blue, um, Gavin, who runs um, the Beer Fridge podcast, which is uh, four Scottish guys, uh, yeah. um, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in coming on as a guest on the Beer Fridge podcast? And I, I actually thought about it for a couple of days before I replied to the email because oh, I'm not sure about, you know, I don't know whether I can do that. And uh, I replied and and, and did uh, guest it on the Beer Fridge podcast and a few beers with those guys, had a great fun chatting with them. And then, you know, sort of reflecting on that, after it was published, and I listened back to it, and I thought, "Yeah, that's you know, it wasn't wasn't quite as scary as I mm. thought it would be." I took the plunge and started to you know reach out to a few brewers, and you know managed to to persuade um, Ross at Alpha Delta to be our first guest, um, and then I reached out to a couple of my local guys. So I then got Double Barrel and Phantom to be um, yeah. sort of episodes two and three, and I was off and running. And uh, we just published episode 100, 103 this week, um, and I just recorded episode one hundred and four last night. Yes. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, uh, I feel like, you know, I'm fully committed to podcasting now. It's the most fun I have of a week, to be honest with you, is sitting chatting to, to brewers, uh, with a, with a couple of their beers in front of me, um, you know, just shooting the breeze and mostly telling them how brilliant they are because they mostly are brilliant, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've listened to quite a bit of the back catalogue now. I'm, I'm a fairly recent subscriber and fairly recent listener, but I really like the style of them and you know listeners of this if you want to hear an honest account of you know brewery life from the brewer and to hear about the journeys and how they got started I think yours is a really good example of that but I also like that you're not afraid to ask more difficult questions of the brewers you know as you mentioned when you were kind of pushing Paul from Cloudwater on things like the the fridge storage and the supermarkets I just think it's a really interesting take on that style and you know again to listen to this i'd, I'd really encourage you to you know, have a listen to some of rob's episodes if you haven't already that's kind of it charlie and, and, and i would say um when i'm chatting to a brewer i do a lot less talking than i'm doing on this conversation so i do <laughs> i try and let the brewers speak and just sort of interject to keep the conversation flowing let's say yeah. i don't I, I try to try to give them the floor um and uh, yeah that, that that podcast is called this week in craft beer um and is available on most of the popular platforms obviously spotify and apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. but also google and anchor and and you know three or four others that are all distributed through the anchor platform so uh, yeah you should find it on your favorite podcast player with a bit of luck brilliant so as we transition into the kind of what's next mm -hmm. area of the episode one thing that i do want to talk about is the tours because i think yes. this is a really interesting idea and <laughs> um, we you know we we had many uh, a drunken ramble about it in phantom but we did just if you want to just explain to the listeners the concept of the tours and mm -hmm. what it is that you're trying to do for and with the community there yeah so we um, as i mentioned i've been lucky enough to to do a fair bit of drinking um, overseas um, mainly through work um, but more recently through sort of my own efforts um and you know i i you know some of the some of the trips i've done uh to you know particularly to the us have been amazing experiences and you know i'd, I'd like to see whether we could put together something that will allow other people to experience that basically and so the basis of the idea is that we will run um a series of of sort of small group tours but in partnership in each case with a uk craft brewer um, and the idea is that you know we're obviously partnering with the brewer so they will mainly promote it to their local customers and the idea is that the brewer will travel with the tour party effectively as the figurehead of the tour mm -hmm. and 
we'll be along to run all of the logistics and make sure that people get from A to B and we know where we're going and we're expected when we get there and dealing with the transport and the hotels and everything else that goes to, to making a smooth sort of tour run. But the idea is um, actually based around um, uh, the, uh, the the England cricket tour model, effectively. So anybody that's a fan of, of, of England and, and cricket will know that whenever England play a, an overseas test match these days, two thirds or three quarters of the crowd are Brits who are basically there on tours um, supporting the England team. Um, and these tours are mainly organised by, you know, uh, figurehead type former players, the likes of David Gower and Mike Gatting and Ian Botham. And all mm. these guys run these tours. Um, and they're, you know, they're effectively just along for, you know, to, to be, again, the figurehead. I guess they probably do a few after-dinner speeches and basically sit there and watch the watch the cricket with the with the cricket fans and mm. have a few drinks in the sun and, yeah, happy, happy days. So that was, we're really trying to replicate that same model, but for, from a beer perspective. And so um, having a brewer along, Obviously, hopefully that makes it interesting to their local customers in particular. So, you know, we've, we've, um, the, the idea is that, you know, we, we, we've got brewers, the, the likes of Brew York and Rivington and, and Mondo uh, and, and hopefully Phantom and Alpha Delta and Full Circle all signed up to do tours with us this year. So mm-hmm. some in, interesting um, and sort of diverse range of brewers. Um, but the, um, the, the principle is that those guys will come along and one of the things you'll find... Um, when you're talking to brewers is how welcoming they are to other brewers. You know, the, the, the sort of the concept of a collaboration is obviously an amazing part of, of our industry. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that, you know, when, when a brewer shows up at another brewer's brewery, you know, they automatically roll the red carpet out. You know, it's kind of, it's almost like it's a, it's an unwritten rule that you will make, you know, other brewers overwhelmingly welcome. So I'm, yeah, kind I of think put the I'm diplomatic actually, plates on. I'm leveraging that for the purposes of our tour, to be perfectly honest with you. So it's, so, you know, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that, you know, when I show up at Other Half, for example, with the Rivington brewer and owners in, in tow, we'll get an extra special welcome because of who we're with, more so than if we were just walking in off the street and saying, hey, you know, we're some Brits, can we have a beer, please? Yeah. You know, the fact that we'll be turning up on an organised tour with the owner of a, you know, a big name UK craft brewery, hopefully will mean that we'll get the attention of the owners of the destination brewer. We'll get, you know, we'll get some sort of special curated experience where we'll, you know, we'll have a tutor taste. And obviously we're going to, you know, we'll be paying for the beers as we go along. But, um, you know, I think that it's just, what I'm trying to do is put together an experience that you couldn't have if you walked in off the street. You know, obviously that's, you know, anybody can put a tour together. You can book a flight and, and, you know, Google where the tap rooms are. It's not rocket science, but it's having the, Firstly, having, you know, knowing where the best places to go are, knowing how mm-hmm. to get from A to B and just organising the logistics from a, from a sort of an efficient perspective. But more importantly, when you're arriving, making sure that you're going to have uh, an, an amazing craft beer experience and then we're going to move on up the road and we're going to have another curated, amazing craft beer experience. You know, we're going to try and cram a lot into basically a four-night trip yeah. to the US. So you'll be going out Wednesday, coming back overnight Sunday, Four nights, um, full on two or three destinations per day, um, and as I'm saying, you know, each each destination will have you know sort of walked the course ahead of time to use a golfing term to to know where we want to be, who we're going to meet, what we're going to drink when we get there, you know, how long we're going to be there, how we're going to get from there to the next place, and yeah. the whole thing is just going to be, um, you know, really highly curated and hopefully a, a, an amazing experience for people. So I've seen that you've announced uh, Brussels one. Mm-hmm. That's with Alpha Delta, isn't it? Yes. And also New York with Brew York. Mm-hmm. And that took me an embarrassingly long time to make the link between New York and Brew York. 
And I think it might have been <laughs> only at the point where I said it out loud. I was like, oh, okay, that, that now makes sense. But well, <laughs> got any other any other any other sneak peeks of destinations that you're looking at? Well, so we've got the third one that we've announced at the moment is in partnership with Mondo um, mm. to uh, to New England. So that that one is um, that's an, a, a proper tour in a sense that it's a different hotel and a different city or town yeah. on each of the four nights. So um, the the New England tour will be going to Trillium Treehouse, uh, Vitamin C, Widowmaker, uh, Two Roads, uh, New Park. Um, there's three or four others that I'm going to try and couple of good breweries then. try and shoehorn into what is going to be an unbelievable um, schedule. Yeah, so so that one's amazing. Um, but it, there are some distances to cover there because mm. uh, Treehouse is sort of 75 miles or so west of Boston, and so you know we'll be travelling across Massachusetts and down into Connecticut. But yeah. you know we'll, we'll, that that will all be it will be uh, you know minibus or coach based depending on the numbers. So you know it'll be com- comfortable travel. Yeah. Um, but no, so I think those three destinations are the ones we're going to do this year. Perfectly honest with you, Charlie, we had Copenhagen fully planned out for last year. Yeah. Um, and Copenhagen is the place that, I've, as I've already told you, I've done most of my craft beer drinking. So I know Copenhagen very well. Um, and uh, I've got some good good connections into, you know, into particularly mm-hmm. into uh, Dry and Bitter and, um, and War Pigs there. Um, and, and also, um, uh, to, to a lesser extent, one or two other places, uh, Toal as well. But um, the... Obviously, Copenhagen was, you know, he's, he's all about Mikella as, you know, owning the majority of the great tap rooms in Copenhagen. Yeah. And obviously, um, they were one of the breweries that, you know, uh, fell foul of popular opinion um, last year, quite rightly by the sounds of it. And so, you know, I think Copenhagen is sort of off the off the acceptable destinations list just for now. I don't know whether we might, you know, we might look to, to bring them back in next year, but for now, we're not doing Copenhagen. Yeah, I, I don't really think they've redeemed themselves quite enough in the public. They don't seem yet. to be doing anything no. to, you know, even the, you know, everything surrounding the MBCC or whatever this year didn't seem to, didn't seem to have a lot of sort of uh, regret or, uh, you know, understanding of, of, of where they, where they went wrong, did it? No, really not. Um, just while we're on that, Where's the best place for people to find out more about the tours, should they be interested? So the newsletter um, or the website. So if you go to the website, we've got some really nice sort of animated um, sort of scrolling pages that they have really good um, details about the tour. Um, the website, uh, the uh, the newsletter has a poster, um, like a full page poster for each of the tours um, that are running. Anybody that's interested in any of the tours um, should reach out to me Um and I'm more than happy to jump on a, you know, either a phone call or a, or a Zoom call. I've, I've got like a, a, a sort of a PowerPoint deck that positions, you know, the, the background to each of the tours and it contains a lot more details. Very happy to run through people through that with people. I should say the tours, I did mention this in passing, but they are for small groups. So it's going to be a minimum of six and a maximum of 12 tour participants. So we're not, you know, we're not in the business of, of organizing a huge, massive tour where, you know, you're going to be, a, you know, just an anonymous sort of face in the crowd. We want, you know, if you want to come and do a business uh, business tour, God, if you want to come and do a beer tour <laughs> with, you know, to say, the, you know, Lee from Brew York or Ben from Rivington or, you know, Ross from Alpha Delta, you know, these are all massive characters in yeah. the UK craft beer scene. You want to come and spend four or five days, you know, sitting next to these guys, drinking amazing beers and, you know, discussing them and saying, you know, what do you think of this one, Lee? Then, you know, yes, this is the way you can do that. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 a small group, and so you know everybody's going to have plenty of face time with with us, whether they care about that, but certainly with the with the brewers, and uh, yeah, it should be a really great you know small group where where we have a lot of fun. The the thing that stood out most to me there is that you've got a PowerPoint deck. 
I, I'm sorry about that. I, <laughs> I don't know if that, I'm not I, sure that's done the credibility of the of the tools any good, but me, me dropping that into I might get oh, Simon to edit that. I, I live and die by PowerPoint, <laughs> don't worry about it. But, um no, it's, that's really interesting. I, I think it's a really interesting concept. And I think it does fill a niche. Hmm. I, don't, I you know, I've not heard of anything else like it. So in, incredibly interesting. We're making stuff up as we go along, to be perfectly honest, Charlie. I mean, no, this Aren't is not we all got, at all times. Not got anything to model this on, other than as I say, other than the cricket yeah. idea. You know, that that's sort of my vague plan was, yeah, could we make that work for beer? Um, and I hope we can. You know, we've got so we've got we've got some bookings. None of the tours are sold out yet. We've got three more to announce over the next few weeks. Um, so we're uh, I'm quite happy to give you the preview on that, actually. So, in addition to the three we've got announced, we're going to run a uh, tour with Attic, um, who I yep. really, really like in in uh, Midlands. Uh, yeah. yeah, south just south of Birmingham. So that they're doing the New England um, mm-hmm. tour as well. So that'll be the Trillium Treehouse. We're going to make a vitamin C, blah 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 yep. blah blah. Um, we're, we're going with Rivington to Brooklyn. I did mention them already, wow, uh, yeah. and we're going to do a full circle to Brussels. So. Those, you know, repeating the same three destinations, but with three, you know, three more amazing brewery partners. Um, we, I've done, I've done the groundwork for for Barcelona as well, um, mm. and also for Miami. Um, in fact, uh, Steve and I did go to Miami in November to do the do the sort of the ground planning there. So we've got we've got Miami fairly well scoped out. The challenge with Miami, unfortunately, is the cost of the hotels um, in the first half of the year. So Miami, okay. very, very expensive, sort of from January to June, and then quite reasonably priced from July to November, basically. So, so you're kind of planning for the end of 2023. So I think, point, yeah, so I think we're going to, we're certainly going to try and slot a Miami tour or two into the calendar for November, October, November time. Okay. When the hotels are reasonable, still a lovely climate down there yeah. at that time. But we haven't, uh, we're not quite ready to sort of put, put, details around that yeah um and i perhaps one of the ones i'm most excited of all about actually is um is going to denver so i've got a tour mapped out flight we fly to denver have the first night in denver which is a great craft beer scene in its own yeah. right um then the next morning uh, jump in the minibus drive up uh, it's only about an hour and a half up to breckenridge okay. uh, in the obviously in, in the in the mountains where um, there's amazing skiing, but also some fantastic craft beer. Um, so there's, uh, unfortunately, Breckenridge Craft Brewery sold out to AB InBev a few years ago, so mm. we won't be going there. But um, but there are several independent breweries and tap rooms in and around the sort of greater Breckenridge area where we can put together a really good sort of, you know, series of, of evening events and, and wonderful winter sports during the day. So it's going to be sort of a nice combination of, uh, of some, some skiing and snowboarding in the daytime and some great craft beer in the evening. Again, that will be in partnership with a with a UK brewer. Um, we've got several that I think potentially are interested in, in doing and that. So, not, not a previous Winter Olympian as well. No, I don't. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. No, but <laughs> brilliant. Okay, well, that, I think that's. I mean, that's all really exciting stuff, and that might be one of the first exclusives we've had on on session series about the upcoming destinations. Thank you for sharing that. As we come up to an hour. On all of these episodes, I like to ask a couple of quick fire questions at the end. All right. Um, don't necessarily need to be quick fire answers, but <laughs> top of your head. So first one, what's the beer that you'd give someone to change their perspective on beer? Well, it'd have to be, I think it needs to be a New England. I mean, I'm assuming that they're not, uh, is it they're not much of a drinker? So they're, they're a, 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 would you profile the 
the what the person drinks before I've given them the beer. So I'm assuming they're a cask drinker or a, or know, like a macro lager drinker. Uh, or... Yeah, a macro drinker likes beer flavored beer. Okay, yeah. So it needs to be it needs to be a really punchy New England pale, I think, but not not too strong. So I wouldn't be giving them an IPA or a dipper because they're going to just be blown away by the strength of it. I think yeah. so. I would be looking to give them a New England pale. Um, so the, the one that immediately springs to mind is Parker from Double Barreled, which is, mm. uh, has been mm-hmm. their core pale since more or less since I opened, um, which is a wonderful beer. Um, I actually should give a plug to a beer that I had literally last night on my podcast with, oh, well, this is pretty obscure because you're not very easy to get hold of, but a brewery called Beer Hut um, in, uh, in Northern Ireland, in Killeen in, in Northwest Northern mm-hmm. Ireland, um, have a, a a beer that I had last night called Mixtape that I I told um, I told the guy um, and I wasn't exaggerating that one of the nicest New England sort of session IPAs or or pails mm. I've had um, in a very long time amazing depth of flavour yeah um, another one that springs to mind actually is Sussex Haze um, from three sixty degree who I was uh, I was at their tap room on Friday night another really good four four point five percent really juicy pale ale um, so those, there's three for you but probably Parker would be the the go-to because that you know that stood the test of time as a really good beer. Yeah, I've had a Parker many a time, including at the double barrel tap room, and I've, oh. I've got to agree it's good. And they've done a double dry hop version now, haven't they? They have just just lately. Yeah, that's right. I haven't had it yet, actually, to my shame. I, I, I'm hoping no, to get down to double barrel. Yeah. Okay. Next one. That was a long-winded yeah. answer. It's supposed to be a quick fire. Sorry, I'll be quicker yeah. on the next couple, Charlie. <laughs> it's, it's, that's all right. I'll, I'll just ask the questions quicker. <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite adjunct? Oh. Probably lactose, to be honest with you. Although okay. it doesn't mean to say that I don't. So you can have, it's another, I'm going off at a tangent again, but you can have lactose used in moderation can be really good. But lactose where it becomes a you know milkshake pale, not for me. Too much lactose in a stout, again, too sweet and sickly, not really. So um, not, not from a dietary perspective, but, but just no lactose, I think I can probably live without. No, fair enough. Your favourite hop or hop combination? Oh, well, definitely Citra um, as a single hop. Um, if I can mm. have three, it would be Citra Strata Galaxy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure in terms of combinations. Um, yeah, Citra Galaxy, perhaps. I mean, this is what you said a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? When yeah, you had that conversation yeah. with me, Ryan, and I congratulated you when I saw you in, uh, in Brewdog. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for Galaxy, I must admit. But Citra, you know, you can't go wrong with Citra, can you? No, you, you really can't. So day drinking or night drinking, and based on previous experience of you, I'm I'm going to say both, but that's me well, too. Well, so. <laughs> 100% day drinking, really, um, because I'm you know I'm of a, a certain age now where I don't bounce back from very late night drinking sessions very well the next day. So I'm all about the afternoon. I love I love you know whether it's a work day or a weekend, I don't really care. I love I love just being in the pub in the afternoon. You know, if it's in the sunshine, then so much the better. You know, sitting outside a tap room. Um, of an afternoon you know you can drink your fill by about seven o'clock stagger home when it's still easy to get ubers or taxis or buses yeah. or you know whatever your preferred mode of transport is it's easy to get home that time of day you know you can have your dinner fall into bed and you know wake up the next day in good shape so yeah afternoon i, I think regardless of age there'll be a lot of people nodding along to that probably yeah <laughs> and then finally uh, in, in a similar way to the way you like to ask your guests the little guy they'd like to give a shout out to who do you think are the most underrated UK brewery? Who deserves more love? Ooh, it's a really tricky one. Um, you know, we we were chatting about this before we went on air. Um, mm. And, you know, I think 
we're both quite big fans of Phantom. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're, they're guys that I think they are actually getting quite a lot of respect. But, you know, the, the, the quality of their beers is absolutely brilliant now, you know, and it, it's it's been great to watch their journey. You know, I was there at opening night. Um, I'm good friends with the owners there. Um, and, you know, we've watched their progress. They've, you know, they, they've expanded spectacularly since they opened um, mm. you know so they moved into the next door tap room you know sort of next door industrial units they've got literally probably the only brewery in britain i suspect with with next you know uh, different tap rooms in adjacent buildings well actually brew york of course is the other one so mm-hmm. i should just contradict myself already but you know watching the quality of their beer just get better and better and better from a good starting point you know that i think that they're, they're, that double feelingness that we had couple of weeks ago i thought was absolutely spectacular i was going to bring that up that Mm. was a fantastic bit and Mm. also phantom for me as an overall offering that Mm. there's not anything better for me in reasonable driving distance no if you take in combination the quality of the beer the quality of the tap room because it's a fantastic tap room it's really spacious they've got two they've got two bars haven't they yep with two different guest fridges plus all of the lines of their own stuff and the guest stuff they've got on. They have great street food. Yep. You know, they have music and stuff on there occasionally. I think last time I went there, they had some sort of Oktoberfest thing on. That's right, yeah. You know, as an as overall proposition, yeah. they're really doing good stuff. You know, and they're always looking to, to you know, just, just recently, you mentioned the, the two different fridges. They've just put that sort of, um, you know, that, I'm not sure exactly what phrase they use, but it's like they're sort of special sharers fridge now, haven't they, where they've mm. got some really interesting... Now, Belgian and you know and 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 US sharers in in there that you yeah. know obviously they're not cheap because these beers shouldn't be cheap but um, you know you can go in there and know that there's going to be something pretty special in there if you want to you know if you want to open a sharer with a few friends it's you know they, they they're serving that as well so just a great setup I, I love Phantom yeah me too me too uh, and anyone visiting the Reading area I think yeah. Reading is probably a bit of an underrated beery destination you know you've got within Reading you've got phantom you've got double barreled on the mm. outskirts you've got the gray fry you've got the nags yep. head you've got you know various other craft beer venues and then if you want to venture a little further outside of it you've got siren you've got elusive i think it's probably a little overlooked got wild weather as well of course we've got weather, that tap yeah. room in the, the weather in the station as well yeah so yeah no it's it, it's it's good you know it's not there's probably not as many craft beer pubs as say Nottingham or Leeds, in fact, there definitely isn't, or Manchester, no, you know. So, no. so we've got a ways to go, I think, getting the pubs on board properly in Reading. But in terms of specialist destinations, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, you know, you're not not short of choices. You know, oftentimes when I'm heading out into Reading, you know, you sort of you're spending a bit of time checking untapped tap lists and you know thinking, should I go here or should I go there? You know, so yeah, yeah. if you meet 48 hours in advance, all of Maybe. it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, so we're lucky to to have the choice of beer, and as you say, you know, just up the road in Finchampton, you've got that nice little uh, combination of elusive and siren opposite yeah, one another that, on the industrial estate, which is that cool. little one-two punch on the estate. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic, brilliant. Well, I've taken up quite enough of your time, Rob. Can't thank you enough for coming on the episode. No, absolute pleasure. And uh, anything else you'd like to leave the audience with before we go? No, not at all, uh, Charlie. Other than to say, yes, yeah, it's. it's um, we're, you know, Steve and I are absolutely massive craft beer fans. And so we're, you know, we're just trying to promote this amazing scene um, in the UK and, and help people discover it. And so, yeah, any anybody got any suggestions as to what we can do better in terms of newsletter content or suggestions for podcast guests, I'd be very happy to hear from them. Um, any Body that looks at the newsletter and says, "Oh, they've not listed this tap room or or that bottle shop." You know, let us know about that as well because you know we, we're we're trying to build out those directories. In particular, 
if you know of a festival that isn't listed in the newsletter, please let us know because we've got quite a quite a detailed list of festivals. I'm quite proud of it actually this year, much mm-hmm. better than last year. But um, it's I'm sure it's not comprehensive, and you know we want to list every single craft beer festival up and down every corner of the UK because these are all special events and they all need to be successful. So please do reach out to us if you know of a beer festival that we've not listed in the newsletter. We'd love to add it. So um, yeah, that's it. Enough from me. It's been fun, Charlie. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. And just a final one for the listeners. As always, let us know what you thought of the episode. Uh, leave us a comment on the post on Instagram or, or drop us a message and let us know what you liked, what you didn't, how we can do better. <laughs> but until next time, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.